Hello everyone, welcome to our one year of the war in Ukraine, European ICT markets and macroeconomic implications podcast. Today we're going to reflect on what happened to the different scenarios and the IT landscape in this unfortunate one year anniversary of the war outbreak. At IDC, we started monitoring the situation because those events with such disruptive capacity need to be analyzed from their inception and we have continued the task force to monitor the cascading effects of the war into the economy and in the ICT markets during this year. From the inflationary pressures, to the energy shortage, to the cybersecurity push and IT skills migration. We'll also go back to the predictions and forecasting we made for the ICT market and talk about what we've learned in this period with the profound changes and disruptions that Europe was subject to, even the whole world. I am Maniela Guedes from our research team, and I have with me today great IDC analysts that have been monitoring the situation in the task force since the beginning. Andrea Siviero from our research team. Hello, Andrea. Hey, Agnes, thank you for inviting us. And uh, indeed, very unfortunate anniversary, but uh, happy to provide an update here. Ivana's from our DNA team. Hello, Ivana. Hi, guys. Thank you, Ania, for the invitation. And we also have Robert Farish, which was our country manager for the region that encompassed both Russia and Ukraine at the time of the war broke out. Robert is going to bring us very deep insights about the region. Hello, Robert. Thanks, Aniela. Yeah, excited to be here, ready to go. Thank you, everybody. I think we're going to start with a picture about the war when it broke out. IDC provided an analysis on the impact that the event would have in the ICT market landscape. So, Andrea, can you give us an update on the situation, looking at it from today's perspective? Absolutely. Thank you very much, Aniel, for that. So, for those of you that maybe remember our analysis, or even if you don't remember, actually, you can find that in the resources. And actually, we, we were considering multiple potential scenarios at the time. The reality is that nowadays, there is only one left, which is this kind of prolonged war scenario. This characterized by a prolonged conflict, as we are seeing, unfortunately. Luckily enough, there is no on-field direct involvement of other states, even if we, we are aware of the indirect support they are providing on both sides. And then sanctions are still in place for Western European countries versus Russia and have been further escalated with respect to the initial time one year ago. And there are also some uh, additional that are still possible now. Uh, especially, for example, on the energy pricing one. And for sure, there is a big focus at the moment more on, from West European countries on how to close in the loopholes and extend maybe some sanction to those countries helping Russia. On the economic legal side, so GDP, so we know that the overall Europe had a positive year overall last year. So if you look just at the Western European side, it was a plus 3.5% growth last year. But then if you look at Central Eastern Europe, it was really flat, minus 0.2, while Russia, in terms of GDP growth, saw a 2.2% decline last year. And we see also how industrial production index in negative territories across all domains, such as also domestic trade in Russia. At the same time, we, we are all very familiar now with this high inflation scenario, which is in Europe is very close to double digits. This is not just due to the, to the war scenario, to the Russian invasion, but of course, as we are going to see later, it had a role. When we analyzed last year, we, we have looked at a kind of 10 kind of parameter variable where we were seeing 
the digital impact the most coming from this uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. There were some of them that were really impacting directly in the IT world. So like uh, the market demand, new providers, landscape, cybersecurity push, skin migration, digital sovereignty. So these were the five key specific IT implications. And as you mentioned, Daniel, we're going to discuss that later. But then there were also then the more kind of economical, indirect one that were having a cascade effect on the IT world. We mentioned GDP and we mentioned also the inflation scenario, of course, also exchange rate. We, we have just came out from a year of strong exchange rate fluctuation, in particular when compared with the US dollar. And this did not apply just to the, the, to the Russian uh, currency, but also to all European currencies. And then the other two key elements is supply chain on one side, energy shortage. So for sure, GDP scenario, the exchange rate, inflation we discussed, and all those kind of scenarios with respect to the beginning of the war have been further uh, exacerbated. While we can say that supply chain and shortage in some way are now under control as a kind of scenario and parameter. Thanks, Andrea, for the very comprehensive picture. And indeed, we're going to talk about the ICT market data scenario more in details with Ivana and Robert. But before that, I'd like to understand a bit better the ripple effects that the conflict has created into the many industries, such as the energy crisis that is very prominent in Europe. What can you tell us about this? Thank you, Aniel. And indeed, that was one of the concrete also effects that we saw across all countries in Europe, because really uh, the, the invasion was started, it really led to this kind of energy prices spike in many parts of the world, with euros as, as the closest casualty to that. And, uh, and why that? Because the continent was in some way still heavy dependent on the Russian resources causing these electricity and gas prices to soar. However, in the past few weeks, prices have relatively stabilized to around the spring 2022 levels. And energy shortage crisis has been averted as demand also decreased due to a relatively mild winter, for sure. So the temperature overall, the winter kind of mild one had an impact. But also, th there was also European institutional intervention in terms of uh, how to monitor you know, energy prices and put in some price gaps and also finding reserves from alternative sources. But then it was not just about that. Also, as we, we are looking, we, we look at the energy shortage in our report recently, that you can find the link in the resources. And uh, we were reading also these analysis made by Eurasia Group uh, kind of consulting. And they said actually that, you know, industrial gas demand in Europe has fallen 20% without a significant drop in manufacturing. All these thanks to great, greater efficiency and full switching. So, you know, also efficiency, greener move from organization at a key role here. And why we as IDC focus on the team market, we look at that because IT play a key role in enabling this greener kind of, of scenario, sustain, more sustainable scenario, and also leading, helping organization with saving. So we, when we ask to our uh, European community, we ask, you know, uh, in, in face of these energy shortage and scenario, what are you doing? Are you planning to increase any kind of IT spending? 80% organization are saying that they expect to say their IT spending really to go into this greener dimension and to find a solution to a potential energy uh, energy shortage. And it means not only, of course, tracking energy production, but also invest in energy management system and also digitizing plants, other assets, pushing also on, uh, on workplace digitization and also hybrid remote working scenario, for example. So these are just some of, of, of the area where technology is helping really to enable this 
energy saving, which was very useful to, to really avoid the, the energy crisis. Now, what will happen next on that side? So, of course, it's still super, it's not very clear, but uh, we see that uh, for this winter, we should be fine also. Uh, the kind of March uh, temperature scenario are, are saying that we should be covered also from, uh, it, should, it should not be a huge demand for heating. And, uh, and also when we look at the, at the different energy analysts, they say that how uh, it should make refilling storage ahead of next winter relatively straightforward for European, even with lower Russian supply than at the start of 2022. So all in all, the kind of energy shortage that is, is, is under control for now. Thank you for the energy perspective also on that. It's very interesting to see how IT investments can help organizations to stay afloat and to be more efficient and to optimize even for the hardest of the headwinds that we've been facing in a long time. I'd like to then turn to Robert and to thank you for sharing some of the insights on the IT perspective in Russia specifically, and also from the IT skills perspective in the local market. So I have two questions for you, Robert. After the Western sanctions were imposed to Russia on the commercialization of technology to the local market, how did you see the technology investments change in Russia. And the second question is, what happened to the local IT skills? Thanks, Anil. Yeah, two questions. So perhaps I'll start then with the big picture and some numbers. The latest edition of our, our estimates that was published in 2023 uh, estimates that total ICT spending in Russia last year declined by 22.6%. And if we remove telecom services spending from that number, we're looking at a year-on-year a, a -year decline for hardware, software and services of 35%. That aligns very closely with what we communicated a year ago. So we got our forecast at the very top line quite, quite, quite close to what, what actually turned out. We believed at the time that the hardware and software markets in Russia would fall steeply and that the IT services market would in fact boom, driven by this massive pivot that users are needing to do to, to switch to uh, alternative platforms to Western hardware and Western software. What actually happened? Well, we were right on the telco services. In most cases, yes, operators have been more or less experiencing flat revenues and they've not fallen steeply. Uh, with hardware markets, they have declined, but they were not declining to the levels that we were expecting. It was far less severe than we predicted. Uh, software also came in a little less severe decline than we were forecasting. And that's mainly due to the fact that I think we underestimated the time it's taking software vendors to disengage with their customer commitments in, in Russia. And the IT services boom that we predicted has been far less pronounced. So we're kind of uh, flat with IT services in, uh, uh, in Russia. Uh, what we're hearing from large corporate buyers throughout the year is that though theoretically there are local alternatives to platforms like SAP, Oracle or Microsoft, they're taking this transition very, very carefully. On the subject of tech migration, so first up, I'd like to flag to our listeners that European tech skills is a focus for us at IDC and listeners might want to look up some of the great work that's been, been done by Leonardo Frietas and Rachel Nazir. If we look at it from the point of view of skills migration from Ukraine, 
Clearly, a number of European countries, Czech Republic, Poland, Germany especially, are benefiting from the inflow of digital skills from Ukraine. Uh, but I think here I would emphasize the fact that this process began probably almost a decade ago and just accelerated a lot as a result of the war. On skills migration from Russia, my personal prediction is that in years to come we'll collectively look back at 2022 as a major lost opportunity for European economies. So I'm sure if you were watching the news you'd be aware that there were tens of thousands of Russian digital professionals who were ready to move countries in early 2022. Uh, in fact, there was a moment I remember where inside Russia there was a, a genuine fear that all of the digital professionals or developers would leave. Some did. They left for countries like Turkey, Kazakhstan, Armenia and Georgia. But what's less reported on is the fact that significant numbers have returned to Russia. Uh, they've all found that you need a job, you need a source of income, you need a way to be paid, you need a place to live, a school for your children, medical insurance, the list goes on. So it's a complex moral question. Uh, but frankly, Europe had the chance, I believe, to add a stroke, seriously undermine the Russian economy and to address its own digital sh skill shortage in the first half of 2022. Whereas at government level in Europe, in the end, no one really wanted to take these Russian tech migrants. Uh, and as a result, there were no serious programs to facilitate, if you like, their move into the, the Western tech ecosystem. This is a very interesting picture, Robert. It's very interesting to see that at the same time, we have both challenges and opportunities that if addressed properly can help in the long-term goals of organizations and why not even countries. As we're reflecting on Russia and the tech ecosystem, I would like to understand now from Ivana, if I could turn to you, what would be the macro situation in Europe? So how is the situation influencing the other side of the coin, the European IT spending? And what has been the impact on the CE countries and the rest of Europe? Yes, I'm very happy to provide you update. So the ICT market is very volatile. So if you look uh, before the invasion, looking about January last year, our European ICT market forecast uh, was predicted to grow at around 4% for 2022. And then in February, the shock came and we reduced our forecast by half. Uh, the market became very uncertain and IT vendors, services providers also revised their expectations. And now in January this year, we counted the final numbers and we see that ICT market in Europe was growing at seven and half percent last year. Uh, so, and these dynamics are caused by geopolitical tensions uh, and also how economies react to macroeconomic headwinds. Uh, but on the positive note, uh, European countries are absorbing financial resources from next EU generation fund to help them recover from post-pandemic, digitalization and green transitions. And this is a kind of mix of factors that is very much impacting the company businesses today. So coming back to question on ICT trends, consumer spending is hit, but on the other side, companies are investing in technology such artificial intelligence, cloud security and IoT. Thanks for that picture, Ivana. It's really interesting to see how scenarios change really quickly, depending on the headwinds that they are impacted by. 
It's also very interesting to see that some areas can actually grow in terms of spending, right? So I'd like to focus on that. Did you observe any specific areas that got a digital push and were especially accelerated in CE countries and the rest of Europe after the war and that are continued as a trend today? You know, the current business environment, it's asking for higher automation and, and business optimization. Um, so the AI adoption uh, significantly increased and this momentum will continue and we will see more products and services uh, with AI features coming to the market this year. And recently, uh, we published a press release. Uh, so I'm inviting all listeners uh, to go to IDC.com and to read it uh, because there is uh, AI market forecast available uh, with many interesting comments. Uh, but here in short, companies in C region understand the importance of AI in their businesses and for this year, uh, AI spending forecast uh, for C region, it's actually slightly above the worldwide average. And then on the second topic, I want to stress out here as digital push, it's a security. Uh, the invasion was indeed a trigger for many cyber attacks and not only in Ukraine, uh, but also in other European countries and the public sector institutions. So for C region, security is priority number one, uh, driving uh, digital investments. And our survey says that almost every second company is focusing on cybersecurity regulations. Uh, I think it was 48% of respondents uh, saying this. That's a very high number. It's very interesting to see that as well. I think we can understand that those digital pushes are going to continue as companies are very worried about those regulations as well. And now I would like to go back to Robert to focus again on the local tech system of Russia. And for that, I'd like to understand a bit better the current IT landscape in Russia. And my first question for that would be, if you, Robert, could provide us with an update of the tech provider's presence after the initial panic and what happened to the tech distribution channels then. And the second one, who is filling the gaps of the Western IT services technology providers? Okay, um, so in my previous answer, I, I, I touched on what's happening in the software and the services market in Russia. So very briefly, Russia is attempting to assemble an alternative technology stack. This is happening with a great deal of local activity at the moment. The success of this, honestly, we won't probably see for some time. It'll be maybe later this year, maybe even in 2024. The tech hardware market is easier to judge. So, as you suggested, most US and European vendors have left the market or are in the process of winding down their operations. Uh, there are some Asian, mostly Chinese vendors, who are clearly benefiting from the exit of so many competitors. So, primarily, uh, Chinese vendors now dominate the PC, smartphone and hard copy peripherals markets in Russia. During the spring and summer of 2022, and I think this was partly with uh, state support, importers adjusted their supply chains. So Western Europe was effectively closed and they looked to re-engineer those supply chains. And from autumn, this was beginning to show visible results in terms of all kinds of goods becoming available, uh, certainly in Moscow, probably throughout 
Russia. So, for example, there is no visible shortage of the Apple iPhone in Russia at the moment. Availability of products from vendors who've stopped shipping to Russia is pretty clear. The transit points for these parallel imports, at least for those coming by road, appears to be Georgia, Armenia, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, countries neighboring Russia. And the sourcing and the finance of these imports is probably uh, coming from Asia and from the Middle East. I think this is a real dilemma for Western vendors because, first of all, they need to wrestle with the challenge of well, how do you control the final destination of products once they leave your own ownership? Uh, and secondly, if you have means of doing this, how do you resource an activity like this? Uh, it's clearly going to be a, an expensive operation. Thanks, Robert, for bringing to us also the complexity side of the sourcing and the financing of the imports and this great dilemma for Western vendors. Now we'd like to open the floor to close our discussion with a last question for all of us. The question would be in the most important lessons uh, you think the market learned during the year. So we'll start with Robert. What do you think is the top of mind lessons of 2022? Well, I would say all tech vendors if they're not addressing this already, need to adjust to the reality of deglobalization taking place in our industry. What does that mean in practice? Well, I know this is advice which is probably not going to be favored by um, US vendors in particular, uh, but I think what it means is giving significant more autonomy uh, and maybe variations in strategy to teams in Asia in the Middle East, in Latin America, that are able to build approaches that will now better work in those regions. Thanks, Robert. And I'd like now to ask Ivana, what do you think are the top of mind lessons for 2022? You know, we live uh, in the world of many paradoxes today. <laughs> like we see the signs of recession, but with unemployment, uh, with consumer confidence, but then you see the full shopping centers and then we have sanctions uh, with limited effect. And this situation, it's not easy. Uh, so my learning for this year is that we just need to always adapt to changes, adjust uh, along the way, and to have good quality of data and information. Thanks, Ivana. We definitely believe in good quality of data at IDC. Now I'd like to ask Andrea, what would be your top of mind lessons of 2022? Thank you, Aniel. And, uh, you know, you are asking about lessons. And the first thing I think is really that uh, there are many lessons we haven't learned from the past. You know, we keep repeating the same mistakes and that's uh, what's happening with the war here. But if I need to find a silver lining here, I really think about maybe on the positive side what uh, organization uh, hopefully are learning is really the need that Osevana said you know, to be prepared for change, to build this resiliency, which is a business and digital resiliency. So digital play a key role in maybe in this uh, business resiliency and really be ready for the unexpected. You know? We know that new waves of disruption will come and we really need a good compass to keep the eyes on that and not to be scared about what's ahead in terms of the next waves. So really, my suggestion also for people listening is really focus on building this resiliency and not just uh, across the full organization. So really training resiliency must anticipate, to really anticipate the next waves. But also, Aniel, maybe also we would like to hear from you. What, what do you think is your lesson learned actually from all this? Thank you, Andrea. I think 
If we look at the regulatory, the legislative, and the policy environment, we would see big shifts in Europe, with digital policies now more focused on European integration and on trade blocks than on globalization. So I would tag along with Robert to say that deglobalization is a reality now. But also at the same time, when we see the cybersecurity pushes and other technologies that talk about sovereignty, for example, I would see that we can expect to head those blocks to be more in close contact. So we can expect technology ecosystems to be more cohesive and at the same time more separate. I think we're being in this wave of the great disintegration of tech ecosystems globally. So we need to be really aware of what is the pace of those policies if and if they're going in the right direction and benefiting our organizations and economies. So I would call the attention to the policy side here. But now we are almost on the top of our hour here. Thank you, our listeners, for the time and attention that you brought here today to be with us and learn from us. I would like to thank then individually Andrea, Ivana, and Robert for your precious insights. If you want to know more about IDC research on the topic, please get in touch with us. You know that you can count on IDC for insights, you can count on IDC for data, you can count on IDC in those challenging and hard times. IDC is going to be there with the latest available and updated data, insights and advisory, whatever it's needed for a moment of such big headwinds. We also have a lot of insights available in our blog. So if you want to visit the blog, blog.idceurope.com. And below here in the text of the podcast, you can find all the material we refer to during our session here. Thank you and goodbye.